0: You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Ace Cast Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Ace Podcast Nation.
1: I'm Ben Ellis, Cage Warriors, Featherweight. Check out and subscribe to Ace Podcast
2: Nation on YouTube for one of the best fight fight podcasts around and the Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday for all MMA news. Welcome!
1: Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 64. Tonight we're going to be talking to our special guest. Plus, we'll have a look at the latest news and rumours from the fight world, and of course, breaking down last night's incredible UFC fight night card. And lastly, we'll finish off with some predictions of next week's fights. But uh, the show is ever, ever as ever available video format, YouTube.com com slash ace podcast nation. Click the bell, subscribe to get all the good shows. We do shows on all sorts of subjects, from MMA and boxing to uh, football, mental health in sport, and loads of others, from serial killers, true crime, and others. But of course, you could also get the audio versions at the usual podcast. Platforms. If you just search Ace Podcast Nation, you'll find over 380 shows of uh, all different subjects, some top names, expert analysts, and more. Links to it are all in the description below. But uh, joining me, as ever, the co-host with the most, former Cage Warriors champion, UK <laughs> MMA legend. It is Mr. Danny Footlong Button. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Matt, I'm liking no, that title. Man. I'm liking oh, that man. title. That's a <laughs> you, that, that can stick. <laughs> that's a one off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good, sir. So but, but that's just, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's great to have you back on, as always. We, we see a lot of each other anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's great to always. Uh, F- see thank you, on,
3: you so much, obviously, guys, again, for having me on and everything. As always, it's lovely chatting to you both. Indeed, we're going to have a good chat, mate. We've got lots to talk about. We haven't uh, haven't spoken
1: to you for, uh, for a while. But, uh, yeah, Danny Danny stole my thunder a little bit there. But we are delighted to welcome back our special guest for this week. None other than UFC light heavyweight. It is Modestus, the Baltic gladiator, Bukowskis. Welcome back, my friend. Yes, mate. What, thank you. That is how you pronounce your fighters' names, OK, mate? You did, you
2: did pretty dang good. I'll Solid. stick to keep a ni- Nicknames, <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's it mate. they're easier. That's
3: it, keep it to the nickname, you know, Big Mo. Yeah. Well, I'm foot long, I, I don't mind. <laughs> Big Mo, foot long, body, I oh, just all coming around, isn't it? Yeah, what's going on, there? What is going on at BST? I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a lot of there's talent there's... at this gym, that's for sure.
1: There is, <laughs> it, there is that, it. a load of talent there. Very friendly guys, <laughs> but um, look, Modestus, I'm not going to beat around a bush, mate. I want to ask you some difficult questions. Going to put you under pressure, put you <laughs> on the spot. But um, obviously, since we last spoke, you um, you fought Jimmy Croot. Yep. um even before the fight, we said, myself and Danny said, it's a very, very uh, tricky opponent, Jimmy Croot. It was. Uh, He's not. I think he's. He was definitely a step up from anyone you had fought so far, particularly in the UFC. Um, and I, I was wondering, in hindsight, would do you think you would have taken that Jimmy Croot fight? Maybe a couple of fights down the line.
3: Uh, no, uh, I think everything all happens for a reason. I think everything happens in its stride, and I think there's certain. You know, like they 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 offer you like a really big fight, such as the one as Jimmy Crew. And you know, I feel like you got to have a belief in your skill set, belief in belief in your fighting ability, uh, to to go out and perform. And the, the thing is, there's a massive opportunity to get right up into the rankings, get into the top fifteen, and really get into the top of the ranks in the UFC quite quickly. And like I said, I had uh, I had no doubt in my mind that I had the skill set, and and I still do, and I still think I do. It's just you know. Uh, on the day, uh, he was just a better man. Uh, he had the much better game plan and strategy. And credit to him and his team for implementing it really well. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people, yeah, might have thought, oh, it's a bit crazy taking a fight like that and stuff like that. But uh, like I said, uh, if I if I thought genuinely that I couldn't beat him, I probably would have said, you know, okay, fine, I'll take another fight. Or, you know, maybe yeah. maybe something a bit lower down. But I generally had the belief and I still like I said I still do that I can go and beat that guy um but like I said that 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 fight would probably happen somewhere down the line now um and yeah just in the fight um his strategy and the game plan was just better than mine and uh credit to him for implementing it like I said I couldn't find my rhythm and and, and time in the way I wanted to and because I'm notorious for being a bit of a slow starter uh, that's what inevitably caused my downfall uh, in that fight. But everything we've been working on worked great. I mean, I stopped the takedown, uh, which you know w- he even said like that was his one of his best takedowns. You know, he gets everyone down with that particular timing and and, and stuff like that. Um, so the things that we've been working on really aggressively worked. But you know, n- 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 it's it's told me the things that I need to work on now uh to to help me to go and compete with the best and like compete with the top Mm. contenders you need to have those lessons because had i you know had i had i'd won or whatever then i wouldn't have learned certain things that i needed to do to 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 really improve and like put my game into like the next level to really go and compete with those top level guys so i'm actually very thankful that happened because it it highlighted the areas that i need to work on highlighted the holes and uh my team and, and and everyone with me you know including Danny and my dad and 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 everyone that you know everyone that I trained with now we're working collectively together to 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 bring out the best of me and uh to improve skill set areas that I need to like i say to compete at the highest level so I'm very thankful that this fight actually happened because it taught me a hell of a lot
1: yeah like for me like before the fight, I thought it was going to be a tough fight for you, but I did feel I thought you would win um and i th- still like i like you said i still believe that if you did that fight 100 times you would win a good portion of those probably more than 50% i would say jimmy crew is a top fighter but um i on you hit the nail on the head in what you said like on the day uh not only was his game plan good but he implemented it very very well and i'm sure like both of you guys will know like sometimes you can have a game plan and you're unable to implement it as a fighter because because of the other fighter or it just things don't go your way but like for him everything that they planned and everything which they had want put in place to stop you kind of just clicked into place nicely and yeah it was it's just I've watched the fight a couple of times it's, it's interesting to watch um was it hard to pick yourself up mentally after it
3: i think initially yeah um You know, when you have so much belief in yourself, you you know you're doing all the visualization, you're 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 doing so many things, you're you're training, you're just focusing, you're doing all of that, and then to not have the outcome that you sort of wanted and what you were sort of expecting in your mind, uh, obviously it it was, uh, and especially when, do you know what? If I would have got my ass whooped for three rounds and he was just that much of a better fighter I would have put my hands up and said you know what I would have took the fight actually I would have took that loss easier because it's like okay I've just got a hell of a lot to work on I'm gonna go to the gym and, and, and just get straight on it but when it's a fight that you truly feel that you could win and then it, it you know it doesn't go the other way or you don't perform or you don't perform to the best of your ability and you know you can do so much better that's even more sort of painful for, uh, for a fighter, when you know you've got more of a skill set and you you weren't able to show it on the night, when you know you're much more capable. But, uh, you know, I think after a couple of weeks, you know, after I had my bit of grief and, and, and stuff like that, I just, you know, I picked up the pieces. I had, you know, very close people to me, like I say, uh, having Danny there, having my dad there, uh, you know, all my other coaches and, and close people with me uh, to, to just, you know, continue motivating me and continue continue to tell me to keep pushing myself and just to keep trying to improve and telling me what areas I need to just sort of, when you've got a mindset of, I want to improve, then the the feeling of pain and grief and sadness goes away because all you're thinking about then you just put your soul concentration on. I just need to improve. I need to get in the gym, work on it, and then when you see yourself slowly b- picking things up, you know, b- b- picking up the pieces, building on those blocks, then you, you, you're back into it. So yeah, I, it was sad at the beginning, but then uh, you know, shortly after I got into my training, I got into my groove. I'm like, you know what, I'm ready to get back, there, back get back in there and get another fight. So let's just keep improving for now.
1: Yeah, and I think like you know like i said before many times i'm not a fighter i'm not a coach or i'm nothing like that and i think i looking at it from the outside it feels like you know it was disappointed but you've kind of got to just look at it for what it is like jimmy crook i was just looking now is ranked 12th and like i look at that division and i feel like he could he could progress like quite nicely up that division if he has the right fights he's a very very capable fighter um
3: what did he say to you after the fight? Um, do you know what he's uh, he's a very nice fellow, uh, both me and him we had a beer afterwards upstairs in like the you know like the lounge area by the pool and stuff like that and uh, it's funny because he was explaining to me the things that you know inevitably gave me the understanding of what i actually need to do in my training camps it's funny because you again you you wouldn't learn these things unless you had those losses and you had those experiences to highlight the areas that you need to concentrate more on Uh, one of which was that his like i said his game plan i mean he'd been watching my fights and he'd been seeing my tendencies and it's funny because when you're a fighter you don't you don't necessarily necessarily see your own tendencies or things that work for you in training or work for you in certain fights you know you you do them consistently without even thinking about it and he caught onto that and then that's what caused my downfall that was one of the things that I took mm. from the conversation with him was that he was always trying to slip one of my punches to connect his own punch or you know I'll do like a punch and then a kick with one side and it was twice that actually he caught me with something off of a punch and a kick off the same side where usually it would work for me in that fight it didn't so it took me a while to sort of get my rhythm, but you know, uh, but you know, some of the good things I took from it. He said, you know, oh, your, your wrestling defense was really good because that was one of my best takedowns, and you know, he he just told me, you know, keep 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 your chin up, and uh, uh, he said, listen, you're you're going to be in a force in the division. You're just, uh, you know, they knew, like you know, they knew that um, no one else wanted to fight him. You know, everyone was was mm. afraid of fighting Jimmy Coot because he is such a Uh, such a big talent obviously and you know he's created a wave when he came into the UFC and uh you know the fact that I took it obviously he showed me respect for that so you know like I said we we had a good conversation um it highlighted areas that maybe I needed to work on more or do more of that he was doing in his camp that brought his victory onto me so it was nice like like I said there there was no it was a very sportsmanlike uh attitude that 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 was uh, performed between me and him uh, before the fight, during and after. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, like I say, we're both going to go our separate ways, but I'm pretty sure somewhere down the line we're going to meet again. Yeah, Danny, I was going to ask you, using
1: your crystal ball, do you think we see Jimmy Croup versus uh, Modestas Bukowskas again?
2: Yeah, I do, and i told you why, because they're both so young in that division. They really are, you know, at the right side of their their youth to to still grow, perform and perfect their game. Um, yeah, I absolutely think that. I think the difference between them both in that performance was the fact that Kroot's been more settled on that world-class format. He's, he's had more experience there. So I think you can find your rhythm and find your, your distance in. Everything just settles quicker. And he was settled from the get-go, straight from the gate. And Modesto's, you know, already admits that he's not always the quickest starter, although I think that's going to be come the case uh, with maturity and growth um yeah it, i don't know it's like 100 meters sometimes you know that sprint's lost out from the blocks and um yeah it just couldn't get settled and eventually you know the strike started landing look Kroot, to me i know he's ranked number 12 but i think his true ranking is in the top five mm. I, I don't think he's going to have any I, yeah, issues agree, yeah. up until top five and you know, with my perspective, me and Bedeza don't always agree on everything, but we we have a really good friendship where we can sort of like sort those differences out and sort of like meet in the middle. But for me, I was always worried and, and dubious of him inviting some of that group because I ranked him higher than the ranking that he was at. I think he was ranked number sixteen at the time, but I always saw him in the top ten. Um, at at the time when Modestas wanted to take that fight. But Modestas and young people like Modestas, they're like racehorses in their prime. The the reason why they have a jockey is because they pull their chin down so they don't go full stride and lose the race. They let them go free at the right time. So Mm -hmm. as a coach, um, you know, and and in um, conversations obviously with managers, you know, you try to hold them back and pick the right fights at the right time. Now, the situation, I think, arose with Pedestas wanting to take the fight, which is having belief in himself, which he absolutely should. If you don't believe you can take on um, anyone in the UFC division, you shouldn't be in the UFC. Yeah. But, you know, with that said, I, I, I'm, I would say I'm a real common commonsensual type of coach. And I look at my students as a, as a not only as a friend, but as a, as a product of growth and expansion. And to me, sometimes that has to be done in a steady way. But the situation we have with Modesto is he, he come under us, not under solely under us, because he's got a lot of coaches involved in Modesto's improvement. Um, you know, as you know, his dad is his, his main coach, an absolutely incredible coach. So it, you have to watch and experience what he does for Modesto's to, to believe in what I ever say when I advocate how incredible he is as a coach. But, um, the situation we had was he come under us about two years ago, I think it was just a little over two years ago, and then yeah, he went on so a massive much. winning spree. I think you had something like a seven win streak. Yeah, five, seven five. win streak. Yeah, which is incredible, especially at the level he was fighting at. It was in Cage wars, which is a world class event. People go from Cage wars to UFC and carry on performing wins. So, you know, and, and he's fighting world class wrestlers and winning, winning, winning. And just like I say, just like a racehorse, when they begin to get going, they feel invincible, and, and that's a great thing. But as a coach, you try to rein them in. Like, no, don't don't, don't yeah. take that fight. Take a lesser fight. That's the way. It's not because I don't believe in Mendes. because, like I say, you know, he could beat anyone in that division. He has that skill set already to do so. But I do want him to settle and feel. Um, Uh, to to gain more pressure performance at that level so that he can switch on earlier in that first Mm -hmm. round rather than a little later. And um, I definitely think Modestus will be fighting Kroot again. I think he will get the win next time around. And, um, yeah, but, you know, nothing nothing's going to change right now other than focusing on the fight that we've got ahead. That's what we're working on. Like Modessa said, now game plan is so much more valuable to us after the experience he had with Crew. And boy, are we putting a game plan in motion. Um, training is looking absolutely incredible. Um, you know, every training camp has its issues to get over, but we're finding we're getting over them so, so quickly that things this time are really, really smooth running. I'm feeling absolute confident. I know Modessa's is feeling confident this is just a, a fantastic time for his career.
1: Well, like just on Jimmy Crute, Dan, um, obviously I said he's ranked 12th. His, uh, he's fighting on the 27th. He was due to fight mm-hmm. Johnny Walker, who's ranked number nine. Walker's injured, so they've put him against Anthony Smith, who's ranked seven, uh, ranked six, sorry. And i got to be honest, I see Jimmy Crook beating Anthony Smith. Um, yep. So that yep. backs up again, what you just said about, him. really, he's probably a top five fighter. So Absolutely. It's, uh, that division is in really interesting because I feel like there's uh, a handful, probably five, six fighters um, outside the rankings and sort of lower down that top 15 who probably beat some of the older heads higher up in the rankings. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how that light heavyweight division develops over the next 18 months because... Assuming you know that there's no break and the the cards keep coming on a weekly basis, we could see could see some big fights. Um, Danny, on just as a coach, what was the hardest thing after modestus's loss and the, his first loss in the UFC? Like, what was the hardest
2: thing in the aftermath of that for you? Seeing how much he hurt. Mm. It, it, it was it was devastating. You know, um, all the students have such a passion. And uh, and Modesta's probably got some of the most passion I've ever witnessed before. Um, yeah, that 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 hurts me. Um, mm. It's not nice to see. It's like seeing your, you know, your little brother, you know, get hurt because he he does a tournament of any any stretch, and he's young and and hurts, and you feel their emotion. It, yeah, it hurts. It's the only thing. But look at the way Modesta's is talking about it now. This is his growth. You know, he is a young lad. Um, and uh, he's developing as a person um, into, you know, a blossoming adult. And, um, yeah, he was sulky. He was upset. He was disappointed. Um, but look the, the way that a little bit of time has changed his attitude. Now, he's taken real positive things from that potentially negative experience. And therefore, it's not truly negative. Yes, it's a loss. But this is a fight game of the highest order. This is in UFC. You know, to go through unbeaten is a a real oddity. You're going to have your losses from time to time, although we try to keep that to a bare minimum.
1: Uh, It's how
2: you react to them, isn't it? Yeah, it is how you react to it. And the reaction is not really what matters immediately after because there's so much emotion involved. What really matters is the adaptation over time. And like I say, look at what Modestus has done. He's turned this into nothing but a, a positive situation, an evolution situation where he's now adapted his training and we're just all getting better. I'm not a perfect coach, but what this is doing is is helping me, um, along with Modestas, along with the other students that experience their successes and their, their fails, to grow. And we're all getting better from this. And yeah, just watch this space. Good things are coming. I, I guarantee that.
1: Excellent. Uh, Modestas, I mentioned Jimmy crew has got a fight on the uh, 27th. Uh, you also have a fight coming up
3: soon. Uh, is that on the 27th as well? Yeah, I think uh, Jimmy's fight has been moved to UFC 261. Ah, okay. So, I, I believe his fight's now on April 20th or 21st or something. Got you. Uh, because I, I think Anthony Smith said that he wasn't ready to fight at that time. Yeah. So, they, they uh, moved it. But mine will be on the 27th, yeah. And who's that against? So, it's going to be against Mihail Oleg Shechuk from Poland okay. um and yeah so UFC 260 I mean it's a massive card we've got the heavyweight title as the main event uh against Ngannou and, and Miocic. there there's some big names on that card so I'm I'm really privileged to to be able to fight on such a massive event
1: yeah that's a, that's a big big card it doesn't get any bigger than a pay-per-view with the heavyweight title as the main event that's like the uh that's the cream of the crop isn't it you know that's mm, the, um mm, mm. that's from the outside especially for maybe the casual viewer looking in like in boxing and mma like the heavyweight title is the big daddy isn't it that's the one that <laughs> everyone looks at so like like you say be on that card is uh interesting do you know much
3: about your opponent uh yeah so uh, i mean like i said we, we we've been focusing a lot on on game plan and you know watching tape together and stuff like that and uh Yeah, I mean, look, he's 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 a good fighter. Obviously, he wouldn't have the record, you know, such an extensive record that he has without, you know, having being gifted in certain areas and mainly his. His main strength is his, his striking with a powerful uh, rear hand, but uh, obviously there are a lot of faults which uh, me, Danny, and the team have all been looking into, which we are going to look to exploit. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a very good athlete, a very good competitor, but very beatable, and uh, that is exactly the mindset I'm going into this fight with. As um, so obviously, like so I don't want to
1: harp on on your loss, but like obviously you. It was your first loss at the UFC. Has you, anything changed about your preparation for this next fight because of that? Uh, slightly.
3: Um, it's changed in a couple of ways. So, Like I said, strategy has become more of an important role uh, in, in, in my training. We, we literally all sat down as a team together and figured out all the points, I have it written in my notebook. We figured out exactly what his tendencies are, what he does. Listen, in a fight, you're going to have to adapt uh, to whatever the guy throws at you on the day. But obviously, like I say, there's things that you second nature go back to. doesn't matter what you do. So obviously, we're looking just to see what those tendencies are. So that was one thing. So highlighting those particular uh, areas. Um, the second thing I think is... Just doing different things in sparring, so you're trying to achieve particular goals in sparring, and especially for me and like my in my growth and 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 stuff like that. So everything's just like very linked more towards this particular fight. Um, like I said, you've got to got to adapt to whatever uh, gets thrown in during the fight. But uh, everything in my sparring, to my pad work, to my wrestling, and everything, we're doing it very very specific to this opponent. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just coming with a bit more intensity. I think, you know, y- you can be a sportsman and you can be a good guy and this and that, but when it comes to fighting, you've got to have a little bit of a, some sort of fierceness, a bit of intensity to you. I've definitely added that to my training. Um, you know, I've, I've, got a, I've got a sports psychologist helping me as well. Um, just like, you know, talking to me and stuff like that to get that out of me again, because I feel like that's yeah. when I perform at my best. So uh, I'm using that to sort of help me get out and. um Aside from that and I, I've got to bring out um, a bit of my you know a bit of my striking roots again I feel, I feel like you know don't get me wrong see you, you've got to concentrate on all aspects and stuff like that, but you know I need, I need to bring bring out some of the venom and stuff that some of the stuff that was sort of a little bit in the back burner. Uh, I was worrying a lot about defense, and uh, don't get me wrong i'm still putting like I'm still working on all those things. But, you know, I'm having a bit more of an offensive mindset as well because at the end of the day, when I'm fighting further on, yeah, you're going to have to do the defence, but, you you know, you're going to have to be offensive as well and you're going to have to implement your game plan and your will as much as having to defend certain things. So it's just basically just... Oh, um you know, opening up my skill set and uh, yeah, just filling in the gaps, filling in the holes, as as Danny would say, uh, just filling in the cracks to to make sure that I become more of a complete fighter. And uh, not only will this help me for this fight, but every other fight in the future.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, mate. There about um, the sports psychologist and just bringing out like a bit of um, a bit of an edge, by the sounds of it. Um, and when you look at all the top like top, top athletes, fighters, footballers, rugby players, uh, runners, whatever it may be, whatever sport it is, the the very top guys have got that fierceness. They've got a bit of an edge to them. Sometimes they can be a bit, what can perceive, be perceived as being a bit nasty, but it's not necessarily nasty. It's that competitiveness and that will to win uh, by any means necessary on the day, in the match, in the fight. Um, and it sounds like that's something that you're looking to bring bring out to the to the party, which you know it's, I look forward to seeing that because it's you know it's obvious like you're striking you know it's clear if anyone's seen any of your previous fights, seen video clips of you training, you've got some incredible strikes in your locker, um, so I look forward to seeing some of those, mate. I've got to say, uh,
3: I, can't, um, I can't wait to I can't wait to show it out for you, lot. like I say. Uh... I'm definitely feeling very confident. The train's been going absolutely amazing. And, uh, yeah, like I said, the the fight couldn't come any sooner for me. So
1: we had a couple of questions sent in for you.
3: Uh,
1: JD said, uh, what's your favourite entrance music? And is it any different uh, music which you would train to or run to?
3: To be honest, yeah, like like my entrance music, I've just literally found a song probably, I think, Either just this weekend or like these past two days ago, that I'm like, that's it, that is the song. Because usually I come out to gigs talking the hardest. For you oldies, obviously you're not going to know who that is. Or or, I know that that is. (laughs) What song genre that's going to be? But uh, you know what I mean. But that that that's my usual tune. Just because it gets me like that 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 fight sort of mood and that fight zone. It's like a very like aggressive sort of song. But yeah, I mean, I pretty much. My entrance song would be very similar to like all the other songs that I listen to when I'm training. I, I don't know. I like, I like hip hop. But the thing is, I, I like rock. I like all genres. I find it so funny how when I was very young, it's like you're almost trying to impress people and you're part of a certain group or whatever. And like you, 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 you uh, funnel yourself to only a particular genre. Like it's a, I used to listen to hip hop and rap and that was it did not listen to, to rock, did not listen to any other type of things or, or, or whatever. And I used to like literally like hate it and push it to the side. But as you get older, you realize like obviously what people think of you and like, you know, what kind of groups you hang with doesn't matter at all. And then you sort of open up your, uh, you open up your horizons, especially when I went yeah, to America. Yeah. They listened to completely different music. I remember the first couple of days they were playing hip hop just to keep me happy because that's what I told them that I liked. And then literally three days later, they looked at themselves and they started playing what they really like, like really like hardcore, cool, like, you know, those screamo type music. And I was literally sitting there like my ears were ringing. I'm like, what is going on? But after about a couple of weeks, I'm like, do you know what? I'm actually finding this pretty catchy. So it's crazy how as time goes on, you learn to appreciate more more genres and, and, and more forms. So, yeah, yeah, I guess that's just, you know, in term, that that's just what happens in development as a human, you know? Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, John asks uh, if you could fight any fighter, past or present, who would it be? It's the same answer every single time, and it is John Jones. I mean, I've 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 said it on so many interviews before. I mean not only having the privilege of being able to train with him and, and, you know, like on a daily basis. And, you know, when he was training, uh, coming back, I think, for his Ovin St. Pru fight, just being around him and just seeing his aura and, you know, just his mentality and stuff like that, you know, that was when he was like really focused to getting back in and and, and getting back on a winning streak and stuff like that. So... I mean, listen. He's a legend of the sport. Came in at such a young age and dominated. After like literally six months training, and then within a couple of years, he became the UFC world champion. I mean, to fight a legend, to fight like probably the goat of MMA at this time. I mean, what more of uh, an amazing fight would that be to have? To be able to face the goat, the guy who's considered Mm -hmm. the best of all time. Uh, For me, that 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 would be the fight that I would. That that would be like my absolute dream fight. Just to be able to. Mm -hmm go and compete against the best in the sport because when you're when you're training for these things you want to be the best you don't just want to be some guy who just oh i'm going in and trying it no i want to be the best and that would be the only way to do it so uh yeah yeah 100 percent. and plus like to me like
1: he's still unbeaten as well because like his losses uh one was overturned and one was i think uh no contest or a disqualification i think on not. but like um how do you see his bout with Adesanya going when they eventually do it?
3: Oh, uh, what John Jones and Adesanya? Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe John Jones would be a lot bigger. I mean, at the minute it seems like he's like fully shaped into his heavyweight frame. Uh, i'm not sure adesanya would be able to get up to that i think the size and the wrestling would play a massive factor i Mm. think adesanya's got amazing striking but then again john jones is also very versatile and i believe he has a four and a half inch reach advantage um, which would also play a factor and his legs are so long like i remember sparring him and you could be in the center he could be in the center of the cage and you're literally by the end of the cage and he could kick you from the center of the cage with a psychic wow. and I'm like how is that even possible mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he's got he's got very long limbs got absolutely amazing wrestling i mean i would see it going into the into the hands of john jones um, but obviously those, those type of super fights obviously they'll be extremely interesting to see but I do believe obviously Adesanya has got a very unique style himself so it'll be, it'll be something very interesting to see hopefully that will happen in the future
1: yeah I think one thing for me with that is people are forgetting that really Adesanya has got to get through Blauchevich first to even get the John Jones <laughs> exactly. fight and I people seem to be just like assuming that yeah that's a given mate Blauchevich yeah. is an absolute animal And uh, I'm really looking forward to that fight Because I do feel like people Just assume that Adesanya Look, don't get me wrong Israel Adesanya is an absolute beast He is, um, for me He's one of the, probably the The best pound for pound fighters In the world And he's so young, but I think it's a mistake to underestimate uh, Jan Blautschewicz. And I'm sure yeah. Adesanya and his team are not, but the media and, and people from like the outside, it's almost like they're looking past Blautschewicz. And I'm just like, no, nah, don't do that, mate. Uh, um, Blautschewicz,
2: uh, he's devastating on the ground. And being that he's naturally bigger than Adesanya, he's, he's, they're probably going to engage in the ground in, so, at some point, And it's going to be with Blauchwitz on top. And he'll hunt for the submission. He ain't going to dilly-dally just with Brown a pound. He's going to strike you to open up for that submission attempt. He, he's a pretty high-level grappler.
1: Mm, be, well, you'd think, whether it's Joe, Joe, John Jones' fight or the Blautjevic fight, like you'd think that to Adesanya is going to want to keep it on the feet, keep it from a distance. Yeah. But that also suits John Jones for the Jones, Jones fight. He's happy to fight from a distance, like Modesta's mentioned. He's got a tremendous reach. And also... With Blautowicz, at some point, he's going to get hold of Adesanya, unless Adesanya does get like an early KO, um, which is then going to be problematic. Uh, A couple more questions, Mo, for you. Um, In your opinion, who will be the next British champion in the UFC?
3: Well, obviously,
1: I would say myself.
3: <laughs> I've, got, I've, I've, I've got to put that one out there uh, for sure. Uh, I definitely believe I'm going to be the next uh, Lithuanian British uh, uh, UFC champion. Uh, but I do think Tom Aspinall's looking like a very uh, promising star uh, in the heavyweight division. I mean, listen, there, there's a hell of a load of killers in that division, also. Uh, but he had an absolutely amazing performance uh, last night against Arlovsky. Yes, so. Uh, he definitely seems like a contender coming out. I mean, listen, you've got so many great. Fo- I've, I think Britain is starting to produce some very, very good fighters. Mm-hmm. You've got Nathaniel Wood as well. Jack Shaw is a, is another uh, very, very talented fighter. So, listen, the the British are coming. The invasion the the invasion is very Believe strong. It, so uh, yeah, we we are definitely coming. Not only to uh, get into the top ranks, but uh, yeah, to start winning championships for sure. Yeah, Dan, we've been saying for a while, haven't we, that, we,
1: that like in the next five years, we do think that there's going to be a almost like an invasion of British names in the, in the rankings and the titles. Even like we spoke to Corey McKenna last week, um, and like she came off a really impressive debut. She looks like a super talented young lady. And a lot of these British fighters who are coming in to the UFC or are on the brink of the UFC or already in the UFC, they're all so young. Um, and yeah. like like you mentioned, Jack Shaw, he, he's like, I think, 24 or something. And like, he's just quietly just destroying people as he's going along. And it's like the UFC's been quite clever with him in how they've built him up. They've kind of just gradually given him people and he's taken them apart. So it's going to be interesting. But you mentioned Tom Aspinall. I thought he was very impressive. And, uh, you know, Andre Arlovsky is a, it's quite a big name for him to to take. Dan, do mm-hmm. you think?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, if we remember when we did our predictions, I, I thought that Velosky might just get it through his experience. Um, the only thing that Asmeral did, which I was expecting, was for him to get a bit too excited and go for a finish that was not really there. Um, do you remember when he clinched up and was going for those body strikes? kind of really busted a nut, and those body shots weren't really hurting Velosky. One got through to his face and damaged his face, But Olosky was still plenty in the picture. And he's not someone that's just going to crumble to a little bit of pressure like that. Excuse me. Uh, Then um, Olosky started looking quite good, didn't he? He started opening up with his striking. I was thinking, ah, this is where it's going to start turning and the the experience is going to start showing through. But Aspinall, he picked it up and he took it into a different area. And and he pulled off the win. He did look very very good. If people don't beat someone like Aspinall soon, he's going to get experience and he's going to become harder and harder to beat. I mean, this guy's a big guy, six foot five, and and he's light on his feet as well.
1: Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I think if someone doesn't stop him soon, in terms of the next couple of fights, and he just keeps going through people, like you could see him really developing. He's twenty seven. Like, in comparison, uh, Arlovsky's 42 and Aspinall's 27. Like, that's a massive, um, massive age difference. But um, I'd be interested, mate, to see how his uh, his career develops. We'll talk about that fight in a bit more detail. But before we let you go, Mo, um, we've got one more question from someone. And uh, and then I'm going to ask you for some predictions for next week. But um, Gaz asked, where do you see
3: yourself in five years' time? Where do I see myself. Well, I can tell you that I actually have some two-year objectives uh, written out on my my little uh, sort of vision boards up there. But uh, I believe I'll be the UFC champion within two years, um, and I'm looking to defend it and be on top of the game for the for like I ver- I'm hoping within five years from now, I'll be at the top of my game, at my peak, and looking maybe at sort of an exit from the game because. You know, you want to make as much money as you can, and then and then get out. and I want to help as many people as possible. You know, like there, there's so many things that I have in my sights. Like I want I want to be able to help the community. A lot of the people that have helped me, I want to help them to 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 do better. And and you know, like I want to help like these up and coming fighters, especially even like in Northampton, like other places. Especially where I see that like there's there could be like a lot of potential for them to come up and do the same thing. Like I want to be able to help those people. I want to help my family. I want to help, like obviously, my coaches and my training partners as well. So there's a lot of things that I'm looking, I'm looking to do. So you know, obviously, I have my sights set on that within the end of those sort of five years from now uh winning a ufc title within two years will, will put me in a good position to be able to help all those people that have helped me uh come up especially during the struggles and the hard times man you've got to remember the people that have helped you through those times because uh those are the ones who you, you know like i say that 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 mean a hell of a lot to me and like i, I care a lot about the people that, that have been with me and grown with me over these years so uh yeah, uh, I'm looking to do a lot of things with the community. I'm looking at, you know, looking to help my dad and uh, yeah, be, be a world champion and I want to be famous, man, as well. Like, listen, you you got you got to take everything in your stride. I want to, you know, I want to I want to do things, man. So yeah, like I said, everything's going in that direction. So I just got to keep concentrated, keep my mind focused, and uh yeah, just slowly pick up, pick off, and work towards that. I like it, mate. I like it. And uh, last
1: question from me, sorry, mate. Um... Jordan Vucinek teammate of yours, fighting for the featherweight title in the Cage Warriors trilogy uh, the week before yours against Morgan Cherrier. Tell me how that fight is going to go in your honest opinion.
3: I believe Jordan is going to come out with that strap. What's that? The featherweight strap. He's going to come out. Yeah. with the, We're going to have another Cage Warriors belt added to the collection. Uh, listen, Jordan is uh, a tremendous, tremendous athlete. I've I've watched him and I've trained alongside him over the years and you know like I say our friendship's grown uh, over the years and you know uh, he's been under the watchful eye of Danny and Raymond and all the other coaches and the crazy thing about him is that he's so all-rounded like I've seen him in sparring like do a bit of everything and that's what you need in this game right now because the game's growing so much. So for for him to be able to have everything like really like really well developed, it means that he can control where the game's going to go. In, in a way, I almost feel like he's sort of been ahead of the game. Like at his because I believe he's only about two years younger than me. But when I was that age, he's already ahead of at that time. So you know, Jordan, I believe will get the finish. Uh, I do, I can't exactly say which round, but Listen, he's very methodical. He's got amazing striking, good wrestling. My boy Vetchenik is going to come out with the title. Believe that.
2: Excellent. And That was my like title him, once.
3: <laughs> <So> I'm just <laughs> saying. Once upon a time, don't you? in the black,
1: black, black and white days, then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, let's get let's do our predictions for next week, and then we'll let uh, we'll let Mo shoot off. Um, we we'll won't do all of them; just a couple of the bigger fights. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, about Pedro Munez versus Jimmy Riviera at bantamweight. Munez ranked 8, Jimmy Riviera ranked 9. Could be a good one. Uh, Danny, what's your prediction for that one, mate? Riviera. And uh, what about you, Mo?
3: Yeah, I agree with Danny. That's exactly what I would go for. Um, I mean, they're they're both incredible fighters, but I think Jimmy's... uh... In terms of being more... He's a bit more of the all-rounded fighter and he's a bit more aggressive. So, I think that will come into come into play, especially when he fights Munoz.
1: Yeah, uh, Jimmy Rivera is on the upper and, up and He's been very impressive. I like Pedro Munoz, although I think it was his last fight. I thought he was a bit sloppy. It might have been the fight before, though. Uh, I'm going to go with Munoz. Uh, Nikita Krylov versus Mahmed Ankeloff. At light heavyweight, ranked 8 versus ranked 11. This is an interesting fight to me. And I'm sure you'll be having a close eye on this one, uh, awesome. Modestus. How do you see this fight going?
3: Uh, I'll say Anker will take it. Um, be I, I believe he's a southpaw from what I've seen. Um, I mean, listen, he's got very good striking. He's got a good takedown defence. I mean, listen, he had that a little bit of a blip uh, when he fought... Uh, Paul Craig and got submitted in like literally the the last second. But uh, in terms of um, overall, like like I said, overall skill set, they they both got good grappling. I think Nikita Krylov may have a little bit better grappling, but it seems like Ankalaev has got a better placement of punches. Like his striking Mm. seems a bit more crisp, and he can defend the takedown. I think it's going to be a bit hard for for Krylov to overcome that. So I'm gonna go with Ankalaev. Yeah. What about you, Dan?
2: I, I, I pretty much. I agree with the whole analysis of what Modessa said. Uh, I just think he's a more crisper where it matters and that's going to be on the feet. I just don't, I can't see it going into another area other than on the feet, to be honest. And I, yeah, I just think he's going to get the job done there. I think he's going to get the finish as well. This ain't going to go the distance.
1: Interesting, interesting. I'm going to go with Nikita Krylov and, uh, you know, you just love just, to be different. You just, you just no, want to a, say
3: things that are against us, don't you? It's just me and I Danny just, versus you, isn't it? Just, I just
1: know with, with predictions, if I go against Danny nine times out of ten, I'll probably be right.
0: His rackets, rack, not great.
1: But uh, no, I, um, I, like, I quite like Makia Krylov, although I am a big fan of uh, Ankailov as well. I'm really looking forward to that fight. I just think it's going to be fascinating because ultimately I could see either guy winning and it wouldn't be a shock. So mm-hmm. I like fights like that, um, and then the main event is a heavyweight bout between uh, Rosenstruck and Cyril Gain, Uh ranked three versus ranked seven. Uh, Danny, first, which one, which way do you see that one going, or how
2: do you see it going? That's a hard one to predict. I'm going to go Rosenstruck though. I, I, I'm going to,
3: yeah, let's go with that. Big big man. Yeah. This is the first one that I'm going to be going against Danny. I think I think Cyril, Cyril Gain will have it. I mean, yeah, you could argue that obviously Gain has uh, less experience, but uh, his striking, realistically, I think, is on a different. Again, it's a, it's the same between Dan Kaleiv and Krylov. He just he just seems crisp and he moves better. And yeah, man, Gain Gain Gain
2: needs. Gain needs space, he needs someone to stand just in front of him. Yeah, yeah, Rosenstruck might do that, he'll, he'll run into him, and I think he's going to pressure him.
1: I think, um, for me, like Cyril Gain has got he's got reach, weight, and his striking is so good that I just that would that's where I think he might catch Rosenstruck is when as Rosenstruck comes in. I think mm. because I think you're right, that's Rosenstruck's best up, op- best. His best chance of winning is to get in there, get in the pocket and really try and uh, nail gain. But I would just think that Cyril Gain striking is striking as superb. It's going to be a good yeah. fight though. He's like guys, really methodical. heavyweights, heavyweight as well.
2: Yeah, they are. They are. But to, to me, again, it really does impress me, especially with his last performance. But I think he was allowed to look good in his last performance. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just don't. I think when someone's really clinical and clean with a technique like that, you have to ruffle their feathers. And, and Rosenstruck's my man to do that, I think. It's going to be interesting. But, uh, good, you, good know, it, it, uh, you know, as a fan, I, I really like watching Game fight. I've, I think he's got great potential. I just don't think he's quite there yet.
1: Yeah, spot on, mate. There's a couple of fights on the prelims to keep an eye on. William Knight versus Mine, uh, minefield Mainfield. Uh, really looking forward to that one. And uh, there's uh, Alexander Hernandez versus Thiago Moises. It's like the main fight of the prelims. And there's the two female fights on the prelims. Look like absolute bangers. You've got uh, Marianne Renoir Ron- versus Macy Chierson. And uh, Alex Alexis Davis versus Sabina Mezo. Um, both of those fights, I think, are going to be superb. Mm. So we might have a bit of a longer show next week, Dan, because we might cover all the prelims if they Bring it if on. they Bring if it they go if they go how I think they're going to go. But um, Modestus, appreciate you joining us, mate, as ever. Always good to have you, and you're all obviously always welcome back. And I uh, I hope next time. Do we see you, you'll be on the back of an impressive victory in the
3: UFC, my friend. Yeah. No doubt, my man. Hey, listen, thank you so much once again for having me on. Like I said, it's an absolute pleasure talking to both of you guys. I mean, I could I could talk to you guys for ages. Um, as always, we, we always have a good laugh. Uh, we always have a good catch-up. And yeah, next time we're going to be speaking, it's going to be us lifting our hands up in victory and <laughs> getting ready to go on another tear this year. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Much love to both of you guys.
0: Well done, Take it man. easy, my friend. Take, you easy. Yeah. See you Take
3: well. care, guys. Well. Modestas
1: Bukauskas in the house again. Always a pleasure to talk to the man. He's a he's a lovely gentleman. But uh, I'm really looking forward to his next fight, mate, because I think he's gonna he's got something to prove. I think not to, not to maybe to you or to himself, but just yeah. t- some maybe some people who've doubted him coming off the back of that Jimmy Crow Jimmy Crute fight. But to me, like I said during the the interview or whatever, like when we're talking to him, like Jimmy Crew is a top five fighter, and I I, yeah, f- I, fully, fully expect him to beat Anthony Smith comfortably. Yeah, yeah. I, bet, I gotta be honest. Um, so we had a UFC card last night, mate, uh, with a main event of Curtis Blades versus um Derek Lewis, which didn't disappoint, but um, yeah. we'll start off at the start of the card, mate. Um, did you watch any of the prelims? Anything on the prelims sort of catch your eye?
2: Uh, or- don't know whether I did. I, I may have watched more than. I, I watched. Hang on. One, two, three, four. I've got five fights I saw. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Five.
1: So there was six on the main card. So which ones did you miss? I was, uh, Just,
2: all right. Uh, so three, four, five, six, that would have been the Spivak one. I've actually got that playing so now. Spivak uh, is on the prelims. So I was the main on the card. Prelims.
1: Yeah, so the main but, card uh, was. So, Tom Aspinall versus Alovsky. Yeah. Uh, well, sure. Phil Phil Holves versus Yeah. uh Amayov. Chris Dukhaus versus uh, Aloynek. Uh Derek Miner versus Charles Rosa. Yeah. Uh, ya- Jana Kunitskaya versus Catalina uh yeah. and then the main event was the Derek Lewis versus Kate. Yeah, 6, six. One, two, right. Three, four
2: five six let's just go through and find out
1: yeah man um but i will i did want to talk to you a bit about the the Spivak uh fight because Sergei Spivak is um he's been doing all right he's uh been sort of ticking along um i was surprised that uh he was like solo on the card like i'm not saying i thought he should be on the main card but i just was surprised to see him you know, I think it was the first fight actually on the prelims. But um, I know you said you're watching that now. Yeah. Anything yeah. sticking out for you from his performance?
2: Yeah, it just looks like he's um, just very, very strong in his top position. You know, it, it, it looks—that's what it looks like from this first round. Um, yeah, he's,
1: he's a big, strong dude. The second round, yeah,
2: very much the same. It, yeah, he just looks like he's just genetically bigger, and um, and knowing how to impose himself. Um, yeah, he's looking pretty pretty convincing so far he's gonna be um, one to
1: watch i think isn't he because just because of his size and his dot he just dominates his opponents um like the just a he seems bigger than his opponents in that same yeah. division um and i know like you get like a slight weight difference and height difference but he just seems genetically bigger than everyone um, which yeah. is, is kind of interesting because he's clearly, when he gets on top, he's clearly very difficult to to stop. Um,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I'm watching Vandera now, and he's just clumsy on his feet when he's clinched up in, in the wrestling. He's, he just doesn't look advanced enough in his wrestling. Um, Spivak's not even having to chain together any complex routines in the wrestling. He, he's getting down, and once he's got it down on his back, Vandera just doesn't have the know-how, how to scramble back up. He's right near the fence and he's not using the fence to try and scramble back up. He's setting him to be on his back and survive. Uh, yeah, that, that's not too impressive. So, as much as Spivik's doing really good, uh, his opponent was not really giving him much... No. ...much issues. Uh, wasn't even making his hard, uh, successes hard-earned for, you know? He's yeah, yeah. having an easy run. It looks like a sparring session, actually, for Spivik. So, um... The, the the
1: first fight on the main card, Andre Olofsky versus Tom Aspinall, we talked about it a little bit just now, but yeah. um, what did you think of Tom Aspinall's performance? Because this is a big fight for him.
2: Yes, it was. Um, yeah, I, I was not too sure whether the fight was going to be a, a step up in experience a little too soon for him because... You know, he has been performing incredible, but he's still relatively inexperienced in the big scheme, especially going up against someone like Olovsky, who's been in it a long, long time and right at the top level as well. And Olofsky's kept himself in good, good shape as well. You know, he's still absolutely, legit. you very rarely see him gassed or out on his feet because of his age. He, he's still absolutely relevant in there. I just thought Aspinall might have tried to go for a premature finish and might find himself gassed and then being picked apart in later rounds. Um, that nearly happened, I felt. I, um, Aspinall really went for these body shots, really wasted mm. a lot of energy in him, And them. They weren't really doing a lot of damage to Oloski. I think he'd done more damage to his head when he went on this little mad flurry. But, you know, as the fight went on, you see him slow down a little, and Oloski started coming forward on that sense and a little bit of confidence. Aspinall went on another little flurry. He went to the ground now. I was really disappointed in Olofsky's lack of awareness of what might come. Um, I don't know whether he was just hurt and wanted a way out, but he had both hands on the mat when Aspinall hooked in the rear naked choke. Um, No fighting of the wrists whatsoever. A little bit surprising. A little bit disappointing. But it is what it is. And Aspinall took a great victory in taking out someone like Olofsky. Yeah. Um, like we said before, I just feel like if you're going to stop someone like an astronaut growing in confidence and growing in uh, experience and growing in skill set with his training, I know he's with a great camp, uh, a great team. Uh, you're just going to see him get better and stronger. And, and that size is right at the top end of the of that sort of like size uh, in that division is going to be a hard force to reckon with being that he's so young.
1: Yeah, 100 percent, mate. I couldn't agree more with you with that. It's... Um one of them in it it's like it was an impressive display yeah um and it's a big name to take like yeah for me like on your your resume and and that i think it positions aspinall nicely now to try and push on you know in and up those rankings the heavyweight division is a real interesting one and we're going to talk obviously talk about it in the main event in a bit um but we said last week there's some beatable names in there for yeah. the the younger guys to come up and try and you know take ahead from. Um, was there anyone who you'd like to see them pit Aspinall against next? I mean, if uh, you're looking at the bottom of the rankings, you've got like uh, Tiberio's fifteenth, uh, Pavlovich, Ivanov Jr., dos Santos, Roth, Walt Harris. All your neck, obviously, lost last night.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? To be honest, any of those would be a great pick for him. Um, but uh, we haven't seen much of his groundwork. Um, yeah. It, it perhaps, perhaps be good to see him, you know, uh, up against someone that could wrestle a little bit better. Maybe see what he's got in regards to his defensive game to avoid the ground. And maybe if he gets put to the ground, see what he has there out of the pure interest. But mm. you know, with that kind of performance, you know, it's. He could be ready to fight any of those. I think the problem for him is he's not getting much cage time, and he's sort of like disposing of people quite quickly, and that's not going to be good for your experience growth, is it? But no, Um yeah, yeah. That's just, that's just, just watch. It's too soon to say how he's going to blossom, but I'm sure you know he, he's going to be developing very, very nicely. Each performance we see him. Yeah, in. He, at
1: the end of the day, you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? And you can only, absolutely, uh, you can only do what you can do. But he's doing it very, very well at the moment. Next up yeah. was uh, Phil Hawes versus uh, Nasudain Imavov Ima- 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 um, with Phil Hawes uh, looking pretty good. He defeated uh, Ava- I- Imavov bon. oh, oh, Ima- via majority yeah. decision 28-28, 20- eight, 29-28, 29-28. So yeah. one of the judges
2: yeah. had it as a draw. Right. Yeah. That, that was kind of quite surprising, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah, House looked really, really good. He just looked so strong. Although he was wobbled a little too easy for my liking, is yes. that due to cutting a lot of weight? Because he's highly muscled at that that division. Um, yeah, he's Imabov, Yeah, Imabov. Uh, he just did play a good strategy. He didn't. He, he could clearly he's got the the ability to hurt House, but he just didn't footwork right. He didn't play the right game for his physicality advantages, which was clearly you know, his footwork and fluidity of his striking. He just got crashed into the wrestling and got put down and had his game somewhat smothered. It's quite frustrating to watch his performance because at times when he got free and started doing the damage, he started sitting up on the edge of your seat thinking, OK, look, he's going to come back with an emphatic stoppage win. But he got quickly stamped out by Howes' clinch game. He just got wrestled screwed, really. Um, it almost looked like House was more like a physical man, and um, Imavov was almost boyish when he got clinched up. He, he kind of didn't even get taken down with super crisp wrestling. It, he was bowled down with just a simple, you know, hip brace. Just sucked him in and picked him boot, up and slammed him down to the ground. Yeah, a little bit, and I, I was just a little surprised. You know, he didn't have a little bit more in him and uh, a little bit of more know-how. You would think that his corner team would be telling footwork off centre line and try and keep Hauser out of striking range where he was having success. His successes were just fleeting and not enough to stamp the authority on the match to either win the rounds in terms of judges or to get a stoppage win, which I think he was capable of, but just doing it in the wrong way. And yeah, he paid the price by losing the fight.
1: Yeah, it was um, a bit of a wild finish right at the end of that third round. Uh, and uh, landed a, a big knee that had forced Hawes back and Amivov started throwing quite wildly. He nearly knocked uh, knocked Hawes out, but Hawes was still standing. He wobbled against the cage. And um, Amivov was against the cage, sorry. And then the buzzer sounds and it went to the judges' scorecards. Um, I thought Hawes was generally... Like, the fight overall, very, very impressive. Um, I agree with your assessment of Amar, Amar, Amarvayov, but um, I also felt that he showed glimpses of something, but just maybe his game plan wasn't where it should have been. Um, yeah. Next up, we had um, Alexey Olyanek, who's ranked number 10, versus uh, Chris Kaus. Now, this one only went 1 minute 55 Uh, with Chris Dukhaus picking up the victory. Uh, To some, this was a surprise, my friend.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, neck, we know he's got a really good submission game. He's never looked great on his feet. Uh, He sort of gets the job done. He sort of like mopes forward like Frankenstein and throws big shots in and clinches up and and tries to get it to the ground. It, It was really surprising the way he tried to drag it to the ground with that head and arm um, position and sort of flopped mm. to his back. and looked very, very clumsy. But he is generally clumsy on his feet. But he's so effective, you know. He's got so many wins on his resume, so you can't write him off when he's doing this. It's just the way he is. But uh, Dalka started looking really good with his hands. He looked like he's throwing them really thick and fast. And um, when he started defending the takedown and throwing in those shots, he started to wobble on Nick and. Yeah, it started looking vulnerable. And Onik was, just, was not throwing anything back. Got pinned up against the fence. Uh, when I say pinned up, I don't mean wrestling pinned. Got pinned up against the fence with the striking. I just didn't footwork off. I think this is a big problem for him. He just doesn't have any, any lightness about his footwork. And he mm. just got fixed up against the fence. And, of course, the ref's going to step in. So many unanswered blows. Um, and he was really given a little longer chance than most. I think, for the fact that he weren't falling over or wobbling, but he was just fixed in this statued position um, while uh, Decaus was just opening up on him. But it was a great fit for Decaus.
1: It was, yeah. There was, a, there was a point about 45 seconds in where Oelinek tries to, he got him in like a his grip of his head and his his arm, and he tries to drag him yeah. down. And he yeah, sometimes, so sometimes he gets turned around himself, and before you know it, uh, Decaus is unloaded on him. From yeah. a, a dominant position Because neck tried to drag him down uh, Dekaus yeah. just Used his strength Held him off And then you had neck sat in like a sitting position And yeah. uh, and Dekaus is just unloading on him And then as he's trying to scramble up neck has got his back to him And he's yeah. taking shots And he never quite got himself Settled after that He just kept taking shot after shot
2: And Yeah only you know, really these heavier
1: in these heavier weight divisions mate you can't expect the referees to just allow yeah. shot after shot and knees and punches to the head yeah you know they're just not gonna do it mate they're just not gonna do it no 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 matter no, no,
2: who no you, are. I, uh, you know we, we both I think noticed that when someone's going on a flurry and you're not doing anything back to to prevent it either shooting or you know just changing the rhythm of the fight uh, and you can't just stay there and take punches like that you've got to you've got to get a move you've either got to throw something back and get knocked out or potentially yeah. But or maybe knock them out
3: or, or you've got to a footwork ground.
2: and you got to run away you do see some people just run off the fence literally just yeah. sprint and almost turn their back on the the guy to get out you would think he would show some kind of an urgency, but he just didn't. He just stayed there. Sluggish,
1: looked, and he's real sluggish. Yeah, it didn't look very
2: good. You remember when, um, when we saw him against the Brazilian? Um, oh my goodness, what was his name? Uh, the world champion jiu-jitsu guy. Terrible with names. Big dude, he looked great. He's, his cardio was incredible. Uh, and he sort of like, just put the cardio on, on him. It just He looked so out of shape. Um, a kind of disappointing performance here. He's so hit and miss. He's, he's of a great, Um, with what he does and forces his clumsiness onto people gets the job done or he can lose like that where it it looked like nothing was going to be successful that he was attempting uh it was an ugly ugly fight for him it was yeah um
1: next up was the only fight i haven't seen um which was derek minor versus charles rosa uh so tell tell me about this one mate
2: all right yeah this this was good um this was initially, to sum up the fight, um, it was a lot on the ground with uh, Derek Miner playing the top position. And you had Charles Rosser happy to play off his back and looking really dangerous. He had a couple of near misses with arm bars, um, really got active hips. But Derek Miner was just really controlling the positions enough to sort of smother it. Um, Rosa, It was almost like Rosa was... If you looking at this in terms of striking, it's like one guy was just going hell-bent on the knockout every time he did throw. But for the, for the like, couple of flurries he'll do in a round, he'll throw the round away on, on points, but mm. just go for the knockout. It was like that in reverse for the grappling. It was like Rosa was trying all out on his back to get the submission. And Minor was just trying to get through the rounds without being submitted and, and just get the win um, on each round. It surprised me really, Charles Russo's uh, pr- approach to the fight because fighting off your back predominantly ain't going to get you the win. I mean, you've got to submit someone if you're going to fight off your back. you pretty much, um, and as much as he was trying, it's a funny game plan to to, to put, especially as money is a good grappler himself. He really is. Um, a yeah. lot of people would see him as a as a better grappler than Charles Russo, possibly. Um, indeed, it seems to present itself that way. So yeah, a, a little bit of high eyebrows. In Charles Rosa's approach to this match, um, I don't think it was the way to try to go about trying to get the win. Uh, yeah, a little surprise there, but great for Minor. Minor did start to look a little tired towards the latter part of that third round. Had this been a five round contest, things perhaps could have been different, but it wasn't the case. It was a three round fight, and Rosa lost all three rounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, like I say, I didn't watch that one, but uh, I appreciate your breakdown of it, mate. And then the
2: last, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there were some good things that that, that, that happened in there. It was, it, it was good because it's different. Now we're seeing so many slugfests on the feet um, mm. in MMA. It was nice to see some grappling exchanges. Um, yeah, mm. but yeah, it, it it was me on top pretty much, and and Charles Russell underneath. And uh, yeah, that's a, a good way of knowing you've lost a round if you don't get the submission. Yeah. Uh,
1: next up was Yana Kunas. Kuniskeya versus Ketlin Vieira with uh, Yana Kuniskeya getting the victory via unanimous decision 29-28 across
2: the boards. Uh, This was a good little fight, mate, I thought. This was a good little fight. I was actually surprised on the decision. I don't know whether you felt the same. Um, Vieira was very, very good in the first round. She succeeded with the takedown. She looked slightly physically bigger than uh, Yana. And um, it looked like it was going to you know, pretty much go this way for the three rounds, but not the case. And um, the second round was like the first round in reverse. Um, it was Yana that got Vieira down and was playing all the top position. And mm. so, you know, to me, it was one round apiece. But in, yes. that, in that third round, when Yana was beginning to get confident that, you know, the tide had turned in the fight, she was really starting to breathe out and making noises with her strikes, feeling, clearly feeling confident. And with that confidence, become complacent because Vieira took her down really quite easily, too easily. And um, she was all over on the grappling front, I felt, for much of the third round, um, where she ended up going for an attempt on the back, but lost control of Yana briefly, um, for which you know, they got stood up and uh, reversed the position. Uh, but now the only way I could think why the judges scored it for Yana rather than Vieira uh, was that Fiera, although she controlled the positions on the ground, really didn't do any type of striking or damage. Um, and when Yana had a brief moment on top, which was, I think was less than a minute, she was going in with elbows and punches. She was yeah. really trying to get the win. I think that was the case. So I think there could be a lesson learned, uh, the, the, the fighters who, who watch this and see that kind of judging, that look if you take someone down and you get good positions... Get proactive. I'm proactive. Yes. I'm talking about striking. I always say this to my students: work hard on the takedown. The next thing you work hard on is establishing position. Then go to town with strikes before any submission attempt. Just get some damage to score the takedown. You know, the takedown ain't truly scoring unless you secure it with some ground and pound. Um, yeah, that's what I think went against her here. But I was still surprised that her hand got lifted at the end of it. I just thought she lost. The first round, unfortunately, lost the third round.
1: Yeah, me too. I thought um, Vieira that third round from a grappling point of view completely won the round comfortably. Um, but one thing which I think always works in the favour is the round finishes with Kuna Steyer had rolled into top control and she was ending ended the fight. The last yeah. thing the judges see is Kuna Steyer hitting these massive elbows from the you know from that position, and it's. I just wonder whether that's tipped it, because I felt Vieira won that third round quite comfortably.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I was just surprised. I I felt that she won the first round. Would
1: you agree? Uh, I I always get confused with the rounds. Yes, yes. Vieira won the first round comfortably, and then because the the second round was almost like a mirror image of the first, but with Kunastaya on top. Um, Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I just thought Vieira won basically. Mm. Um, Yeah. And then uh, the next fight was the main event of the evening. This was enjoyable. Um, Curtis Blades faced Derek Black Beast Lewis. Derek Lewis is just a born entertainer. People sometimes don't like some of the stuff he says. Um, I don't really care what he says because ultimately... When it comes to fighting, the man entertains me, and um, yeah. he he did it again today. Curtis Blades, by the way, has been on fire recently. Like this isn't he the has. Curtis Blade. This isn't the Curtis Blades of uh, a couple of years ago, who was like uh, one you know one amazing fight, one great fight, one. He was very up and down, very unpredictable. Like Curtis Blades has been on a bit of a tear. Uh, he's really he improved his game. So for Derek Lewis to come in and you know he knocked him out clean. Uh, yeah, he did second um, um, round.
2: Yeah, and, and when we spoke about the predictions, uh, I think you yeah, you went with Blades and I went to Derek Lewis. You know, partly I really like the guy, um, but I just know that he's he's always in there to knock you out. You know, he's yeah, he, yeah, and I and I just felt like. We know what Blaze is going to do. He's going to strike up a little bit. He's going to shoot in. He's going to try and get Derek down. You know, and, but Derek's defence was so much better than it's been. Uh, yes. Really yes. has advanced that part of his game. Um, yeah, we didn't really see him get tested on the ground. He's only on the ground briefly, wasn't he? But, um,
1: but that was because you, of his defence, though, mate, I think. Yeah, because, yeah exactly. Like, the Derek Lewis of a couple of years ago, he gets taken down by Curtis Blades in the form that he's in, and and the game, the, how the way Curtis Blades has improved, like Derek Lewis would have got taken down time and time again. Yeah, but he was just able yeah. to withstand it. And then I feel like Derek Lewis, if he can defend takedowns, he's always gonna. It's gonna come down to whether his gas tank stays in for him against whoever, yeah. because he can always knock someone out. It's just whether he can do it over a few rounds. If his defence is good from a takedown point of view, then yeah. he's got a chance, chance against anybody.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Look, Derek Lewis kept threatening the uppercut and kept throwing the uppercut. And yes. you know the criticism of Blade was he, he, he never Adjust shot easy. in without throwing the hands. Well, it, he just shot in. He didn't throw shots to occupy the arms so he did, the uppercut won't come in. If you have a look at the replay or, or, or look back at the, the, the finish, it, he just shot in. It, there was no throwing of hands. There was no th- threatening of a kick to disguise the entry. He literally just dropped diagonally down. Uh, and if you're going diagonally down, if you're going down in this direction, mm. diagonally, and the uppercut's di- coming diagonally up, that's going to make for oh, yeah. uh, uh, an epic collision. Fist yes, to
1: not, chin not, not something you want to do is it Meeting yeah. uh, Derek Lewis's uppercut yeah. With your, I mean, with your so, own momentum
2: Yeah and uh, don't get me wrong Look Blades He strikes really nice He can shoot and wrestle you down it, He's got so many ways to potentially beat Derek Lewis But I just think he hasn't evolved His entry for the takedown Enough And um, Yeah he got set up this, this was all about game plan I really think Derek Lewis was. Improving his takedown defence and throwing the uppercut so that when Blades goes for the takedown, it's, he's going to have to fight through some flack. He's going to have to shoot with some anxiety there. Um, because in the first exchange for the takedown as well, Derek Lewis come off on top, didn't he? Do you remember the very first shot? Yes, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it was a little clumsy and you know Derek Lewis's game plan. It was to sit away, not waste any energy with just attacking with the hands. He was purely counter-attacking the, the, the clinch game. He would even ser- stay receiving shots on the outside. He was just conserving yeah. energy for the pocket. And Blaze a went of straight of leg kicks into it. as well, didn't he? Just waiting. He did. To me, I think Blaze was looking great with his striking. I think he should have um, kept, kept it as a kicking game. And I think he would have um, kicked the fight out of Lewis. But he didn't. He kept shooting in and he kept going through that danger zone of that uppercut and those those hook punches that Derek Lewis is really powerful and known for. And, yeah, he landed right on that uppercut, really. Blades will look back at that and shake his head and be a little bit disappointed, I think, because he was beginning to just begin to, to edge the fight and um, take over well, from Lewis. We
1: talked, we've talked. we talked about Fight IQ made a lot on the different episodes. And, like, Curtis Blades, he was doing everything right. Is He was keeping... Like he was low kicks to just setting him up, but he was doing little feints with his right hand as well to to yeah. to to faint coming in. But when he was coming in, that's where he was letting himself down, like you mentioned. Yeah. But everything else around that he was doing well. He was setting it up with little feints Dude. and he was um, little low kicks and stuff like that. But it was just that movement when he was going in for that takedown. Or yeah, the yeah. There, and he there just was no blending. No, no but was... then I think there was about 30 seconds of the first round to go and he does go in and he as he goes in, he hits a big right, uppercut, uh, right hook on mm. Derek Lewis and it shook Derek, Derek Lewis a bit and, you know, it didn't wobble him, just you know just got his attention. Him, yeah. But Curtis Blades, I think that's the only time he did it in the fight when he's going in towards a clinch or a takedown. That's the only time he throws a punch, um, mm. which is strange for me because... Like you say, he didn't, or like I was saying, like everything else around his game in terms of setup was there and was looking sharp. Um, yeah. But Derek Lewis, you know, he's just so dangerous, mate. Um, he is dangerous. You yeah. Just can't make a, at this this top level, particularly in that heavyweight division. You cannot mm-hmm. make a mistake, even no. for a split yeah. second.
2: Yeah, they don't even have to hit you clean to knock you out. They they can skim a shot, and it could be the shot that will follow up thereafter. they they're. they're Big big guys, they're power powerful guys, and you make one mistake, it's normally curtains. And we, we saw that today. Yeah, I uh, I
1: really enjoyed it. Um, Derek Lewis, uh, they asked him about some of the shots after the after the referee had stepped in, um, mm. whether they were needed, and he said I had to make sure he wasn't going to do an Undertaker, um, uh, where the the Undertaker sits up doesn't he after he's been beaten up right. or whatever, which I thought was yeah. you know as typical Derek Lewis and.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But um, Derek Lewis has got to be up there
2: for a title shot now. I think, really. Yeah, I mean, right. he's, he's he's doing good things. Uh, Blades wonder. is hardly contested, and he just knocked but, him the hell out.
1: Equally, I just think if he faced uh Bay who's the current champ, I just see Stipe taking him apart methodically. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but if I see yeah. Give me Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis all day, because that yeah that would so yeah, be good to watch. So that be good to watch. Be amazing. Um, yeah, but yeah. We got some big fights coming up, mate, over the next uh, next few day, a uh, few weeks. Um, another top guest this evening, which is always good. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're away uh, at the end of end of March for a couple of weeks, which I've already uh, already made some moves. To replace you, okay. Uh, yeah, got one one in already. Going to try and get some guests as well. Obviously, always looking for guests. Always looking for guests. But um, yeah, so we've got um, got a, a, a very good guest to start to uh, start March, March the seventh for us. For uh, the week week beginning March the March the eighth, uh, we have got a, a very good guest, Cage Warriors, uh, fighting on the Cage Warriors trilogy card. Uh, one of the bi- arguably one of the biggest names in British or certainly in cage warriors um, there isn't many bigger names than him mate uh, but we won't announce it to but uh, I'm sure people can work it out I think I gave a hint last week anyway and said mm-hmm. uh, something which would have given it away but um, we're always working on guests if there is a certain fighter you'd like to see or coach then don't hesitate to let us know and we'll always do our best to try and contact them and get them in some of these fighters are very difficult to get hold of, but we try, mm. we try, we yeah. try, we try. Uh, but Danny, as ever, I appreciate your time, mate.
2: Yeah, it's been another awesome weekend. Really enjoyed it. Spot on, mate. Uh, guys,
1: subscribe, youtube.com slash Ace Nation. Click that bell for notifications. Spread the words. Tell your friends and uh, get involved. And, of course, you can download the audio version at all the usual places. Check out O-A-Day Apparel. UK. if you want 10% off all orders use aa podcast nation all lowercase and you'll get 10% off their incredible gear they've got a very good uh, it's called sound from the streets collection some real nice uh, clothing at, at the moment so I urge you to check them out and of course we'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of the Danny Batten fight show where we'll be looking at uh, Rosenstruck main event next week among other things and uh we should have another guest hopefully as well. But until then we bid you adieu. Danny, I'll see you uh see you on the next week mate.
2: I'll be there. I'll be there. Defending
0: your champion. Welcome Danny. Butter. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash acecastnation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash acepodcastnation.
1: Podcast Network.